Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G, here with Haggai Davis with Tech Gumbo and some other interesting stories from a few years back, as well as learn a little bit more about his role with the Rotary Club. And so I'm excited to get started with Haggai. But before we get started, I want to welcome aboard our official sponsor of the show, Alvarez Construction. I am super excited to have them on. They were last week's guest that we filmed live, and they are actually this week's guest that will be produced via podcast and actually all over our social media. So check out Alvarez Construction. They're super great. And without further ado, Haggai, welcome to the show. Thanks, Patty. Thank you for coming, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So for those that may not be aware of what you do, what do you do? So I am the director of sales for Emco Technologies here in the greater Baton Rouge area. And we are a managed services company. We, we manage business computer networks. And uh, been, I, I've been in IT and telecom for a little over 30 years now. And, and just, you know, if you've got issues, you've got a problem, your computer system's not working the way you think it should, we come out and we help you, you know, we, we solve your problems, make things better, and then we keep it so that everything stays in good shape. Gotcha. So anything and everything, computers and technology, is it just limited to businesses or is it also individuals? Yes, no, as well? it's just, just business so it's networks. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So how did you get involved with that? What was your path to there? What kind of a kid were you? So I was always an inquisitive kid. Um, when my dad used to work offshore a lot. And so when I was, I think I was 12 years old, my mom's dryer stopped working and I took it apart and I found a little part that looked like it was burnt. And so we went up to the Sears store and the guy said, yeah, that's, that's, you know, so he gave me the, the, my mom bought the right part and went back and I put it back together and it worked. Wow. (laughs) And so I started, you know, and I, you know, would take the lawnmower apart and fix bicycles and things like that. So I've always been somebody who tinkers with things and tried to learn and self-taught myself on a lot of things. And then, you know, I, I was, of course, when I got to college, I, um, I dropped computer science twice and then failed it and said, okay, I'm going to go do something else. <laughs> but when I got out of school, getting into the working world, I went to work uh, for the Bell South Yellow Pages and working with, you know, phone companies, you know, phone lines and everything and, and advertising. And that was kind of like, it was, it was, it was a, it was a job selling advertising, but you had to coordinate it with phone numbers type kind of things. And, and then from there I went to Cellular One and I was at Cellular One for six years. And after Cellular One, then I got into computers and, it's just kind of snowballed and, and, and as, as technology evolved, I just kept evolving with it, just kind of kept changing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've reinvented myself multiple times throughout my 30 years of doing this, you know, whether you, but it's been fun. How does one reinvent themselves? Well, when you're selling cellular phones mm-hmm. and then you stop selling cellular phones because this, that whole cellular industry was going retail and you start selling computers now, you've reinvented yourself. And then everybody who is buying computers and a few years later, they're wanting to get on the internet. So you got to go teach yourself how to sell internet to the people who just bought computers. And then, then you had to teach them, you know, what email was and then, okay, this is how you do email. And, and we were selling email service. And then 
went through a fiber company that did fiber communications between businesses and then got into uh, my own business, which was an e-commerce business. For, did that for five years. So wait, so you had a, your own e-commerce business? Mm -hmm. What did you sell? Uh, risk management services. Risk it, management services. It, the name of the company was Go Kahuna. <laughs> Go Kahuna. And okay. what, what we did was our largest client was the Shaw Group. And so if you did, uh, if you had a contract of a million dollars or more to, to work on a, on a Shaw project, right. you had to go through our certification where you were Kahuna certified. <laughs> and we verified that you had license and insurance in the state where you said you were. And there were many times when contractors would go out and get insurance on their, you know, and, and, and they would send that certificate of insurance into the risk management department at Shaw. Right. And then they would never pay another premium on that again. And so. So they would get just the bare minimum, send the certificate. We paid it. It's here. Fine it. and dandy. And then Shaw had no way set up to go back and find if, if you stopped paying your, you know, your, a lot of these companies would say, you know, they were listed as additional insureds. And so the, the insurance agent would, would send a notification to Shaw, hey, their, their policy finished. But there was, Shaw was so big, they had so many companies falling through the cracks. And there was one one job site in Texas where this guy had been a, uh, he'd run a, he had a grader, a road grader. Okay. And he was always doing small projects for them as a subcontractor. And they said, look, you've been doing such a good job. We want you to come do another, a bigger project for us. And this, and they were like, well, the guy was like, oh, I don't know. I've never had an employee before. Cause I've always done small contracts and, oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Just get you another guy and then you'll be fine. And the guy said, okay, but look, this is Texas. I don't have to have workers comp because, you know, I'm, I'm self-employed. Right. And so the guy never actually went out and got the self, the, the, the workers comp. Well, he's not used to working with an employee. He backs over the employee with the grader, crushes no. the guy's pelvis and everything. Well, he, the employee sues. This guy's got no insurance. So when you, when you don't have when your sub doesn't have insurance it goes up it rolls right? up yeah. so now shaw is on the hook for millions of dollars of of lawsuits and there was another instance in i think it was in south carolina on a on a, a military base i believe they were building a parking garage and this this contractor had had built a multi-level multi-level uh, parking garage and time for the inspection the the state guy comes out and he's going to go through and he says, well, I need to see your, your, uh, your license, your, your insurance and the plans and let's walk through it. And the guy hands him, here's the plans. Here's the insurances. Uh, here's my license. And uh, the inspector said, well, this is not a current uh, license. Do you have your current license? And the contractor, instead of saying, oh, it must be at my office, I'll get it back to you tomorrow, he pulls out his wallet and says, how much would it cost for that to be a current license? Oh, my gosh. Well, that guy goes to jail. But in, in South Carolina, they made him tear down the parking structure that was built because it was built by an unlicensed contractor. And then Shaw had to pay to have it rebuilt. Wait, 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 wait. So they built this whole parking unit, this whole parking structure. Yes. And... 
then the city, several, the city or whomever the city, said, state, whatever it was over there. You need to knock it you down. You've got to tear it down. It was built by an unlicensed it. because we can't insure it. You can never get insurance on this because it was built by an unlicensed contractor. So Shaw had to tear it down and have it rebuilt. So it doubled the cost. Plus, and, and so when we presented Shaw the idea that we will verify every 90 days the license and insurance of all of the, the contractors that work for you, they said, yeah, fine. So Shaw, on their, their bid form, yeah. you had to put in a Kahuna number. Wow. If you wanted to bid. So we, we were doing great. And then the economy rolled over into 2009 and, and 10 and the recession just put us out of business because people stopped building things. Yeah. So then I, I got out of that and got into the networking, computer networks and doing what I've doing, been doing for a decade now. Gotcha. So you've got this whole, this whole entrepreneurial backstory of you went out and did this whole kahuna thing. Mm-hmm. Where was the name derived from? So um, the guy who came up with the idea, one of my business partners, he, he were, they were kicking around the idea, who are the people that are trusted? Right. And in, in the Hawaiian culture, the kahunas were trusted. They were the, 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 the people who, if you, had, if you needed an answer, you went to the kahunas. Gotcha. And so we, didn't, we couldn't just say kahuna. So, so we, hey, let's say go kahuna. And go kahuna worked. Now, and was it before the whole big G-E-A-U-X? Yes, yeah, so it was just, so G- it was just it was, G-O. It was just G-O. So you were just a plain go kahuna. We were just it go wasn't kahuna. go No, it was just, just plain go kahuna. And, wow. Um, and we were doing great. I mean, everything was rocking. And, and then, um, then the recession hit. <laughs> wow. And we bled ourselves dry until we had to punt and say, okay, we, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, cause at that point you've got nothing oh, coming yeah, we, in, everything's we, going out. Everything. And, and so we, we moved on. So you've had your initial stage work in the nine to five and then went out within your own mm-hmm. avenue and then you went back. Yes. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, was that decision tough to close it down or was it just, oh, at it was this killer. point we got to meet it. We got to make ends meet. It was killer to close it down. And it, it was a pride thing that, you know, there's something that we had built yeah. and, and, and it hurt to, to have it close and to not be able to say, yes, there's, there's, this is my, my, my one of, you know, it's my company. It's my company. Yeah. And, and to, to shut it down was just, it was hard, but <laughs> it, it had to happen because we weren't making any money and we all had to pay bills. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to understand that the difficult decisions have to be made from time and time again. And oh. one of those is we got to close our doors. I mean, COVID is a prime example of what some people face every day is the reality that I can't keep going. The business cannot keep going. We can't keep pushing forward because the industry, the economy, whatever's happening has us such in a downhole that we just can't operate. And when you have a company in 2010 tell you, look, we'll get back to you in 2013, maybe 2014. You can't float it. And you're like, wait, how can you, you we've got enough you know, business on the books. We're just, we don't need to do anything different. We're just going to not do anything with Shaw. We got other stuff we can go do. So we don't need your certification anymore. Wow. And, and so we went at the, oh, I don't know. We are close to 1200, you know, accounts at, at one point paying us a thousand dollars a year. And then we went from that 
to 800 accounts to 600 accounts to 300 accounts and rip cord. Wow. <laughs> you know, hope, hope you, you know, land on your feet kind of thing, but because it's going to be a rough ride down on the parachute. Yeah. I mean, cause you don't have small businesses don't have no. the, the cash, the and capital there was, there reserve. Was no PPP back yeah, then. There was no PPP <laughs> that we could just, Oh, we'll just get a PPP right, line. No. And there's a second round. We'll get the second round. It's yeah. no, it's, you don't have enough cash. You're no. going to sink. Nope. Because you just can't swim without and, and, the capital. And you, there's only so much second mortgage you can do. Yeah. I mean, you can't sit there and, and you know, just slice the throat of your family. I mean, right. you know, hey, we've got a future to live. I and mean, we still had young kids at the time. And so we had to make a tough decision. And the tough decision was go find something else to do with your life. And sometimes that's you transition to that phase of finding something else to do with your life, but you still kind of have that itch, right? Oh, absolutely. As as an entrepreneur, it's never really phased out of you. It may be, you know, diminished a little bit and shrunken, but it's still there. You still want to do something outside of your nine to five. The, that work in that 60 to 70 hour week was fun. Yeah. It was great. And, and in the weeks where we only worked 60 hours, it was because it was a holiday week or something. It was Thanksgiving or something, you know, I mean, it was, it was great to get in early to stay late. And, you know, you know, we had an, our office was in the tech park. And so it was a real cool place to be. And a lot of, a lot of energy towards, you know, making things happen. It was, it was an awesome place. That was 2006, 2005, 2006, something like that to through to 2010. Okay. And it, it struggled a little bit. One of my partners kept trying to do it from home on us as a side thing. Yeah. And, and it didn't last much longer after that. Yeah. I mean, once you get, you starting to see your accounts dwindle away, you've either have to make a big pivot and find something different. But if you can't, because of how big your, how focused your company is, you know, it's, you'd have to think way outside the box to make that pivot or it's like, we can't do it. We got to toss in the towel. Yeah. But then you've come back. You circled back around to the entrepreneurial realm, at least in a. It's. I think it's more of a hobby. It's more than a hobby at this point, right? Tech Gumbo. Oh yeah, and so so Tech Gumbo is our radio show. So I had go back when I I, I used to work for Etel back in the from ninety seven ninety eight through two thousand four something like that, and one of my accounts was Channel Two, and. We had just brought a, a T1 of internet into Channel 2. Wow. And I mean, look, that was amazing to get a T1 of internet because it was like $1,500 a month at the time for that kind of internet access. And because it was my account, I was in and out of the station a good bit. And one day I was walking through the, the newsroom and Rebecca Rayner, who was the host of TuneIn at the time, she was there and I said, Rebecca, you guys need to talk about you know, technology and things on tune in and especially like the internet. And she said, Oh, that's a great idea. And I, she said, and I said, and it needs to be me, you know, doing it for you. And she's like, you would really, you would come on the radio on the TV with us. And I was like, yeah, that is something fun. <laughs> and so me, TV. Sure. Let's go completely untrained, you know, no, no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> the first time we were on and it was, Rebecca Rayner and Leo Honeycutt and myself. And it was a three and a half minute segment. And about three minutes into it, Leo asked this question. And I don't remember what the question wait, was. Wait, a three and a half minute segment. 
in the morning. That's like nothing, though. Well, that's what the, that's what the tune in is was at the time. I mean, it was just little bites of little bites, okay, little bites okay. of stuff. And so, three minutes into it, Leo asked a question, and and the the look we because I recorded it on the on the VCR back in the day. Oh wow! The look was like, oh my god, I can't believe you know. And it was like my only thing I could say was that's a great question, but that would take about a half hour to answer. How about we do that on the next time I'm in? And he's like, yeah, okay. So after that, anytime I ever went on channel two and I was on for the next five years with them, I typed out, here's the questions that, that you can ask me and here's the answers I'm going to give. And they would literally put the question and answers in the teleprompters. Oh. And so if the- So it became scripted at that point. Oh, it, the questions they would answer, my, my answers weren't quite scripted, but it was, it was much easier for for the the tv personalities to the newscasters to ask a better question than to try and think up something because it's 6 45 in the morning it's tough to try and come up with a good question about the internet when you don't know what the internet is yeah and and so you know we did we had we it became a recurring segment on tune in every two every once like the second Tuesday of the month or something like that. And we did a noon show. And then anytime big news would break, they would come to my office or I would go stand in front of the news desk at 10 o'clock at night. And, and it was a lot of fun. And then when it ended, I was like, okay, well, that was a good run. And I, but I had had a taste of it and I wanted to get back into. Yeah. I mean, but I didn't want to be on TV because TV's not easy. No, because TV is so well, hard cut out. Do you look at the camera? Do you look at the yeah, host? Like, do you like, look at the camera? Do you look at the host? Exactly. And you know, it's like here we've only got, you know, a smaller setup comparison. We've got three cameras here right. set up, but it's still, we don't have to look right. anywhere. It, you know, they're here to capture what's happening. But as a TV, it's, no, I need you right here at this box. And then it's like, all right, now I'm on. Come over here. Look at this guy. Yes. All right, now back over here. And so I... Gordy Rush, who I know has been on your show, yeah. Gordy's a friend, and I'd, I'd been pestering him for a couple of years. Gordy, look, if you ever have one of your guys on Talk 107, take a, a holiday vacation. You know, if they're off on a holiday, they're sick. I would love to sit in just one time. I've, I've, I grew up listening to, to talk radio. Please let me sit in. And he's like, okay, okay. And I'd, I'd pester him. And he called me one day out of the blue and said, okay, look, we're doing some lineup changes. And this was the middle of the beginning of August in 2014. He said, look, we're, we're, I need somebody to fill in the four to six drive time show for the next two and a half months. You want it? And I was like, yeah. Tell you. <laughs> two, two and a half months. <laughs> so, yeah. So he said, look, you know, I said, well, let me, I got to check with my boss at the time I was working for. And he, and he said, look, tell your boss, you can, you can give yourself a commercial every day or a couple of times a day. And you know, some boss was like, you don't do anything up to four o'clock for me anyway, go ahead. And so, um, so I did the, the drive time show and just fell in love with radio because I have all my notes laid out in front of me. I can, I, you know, nobody sees me cause I think I have a great face for radio and, <laughs> and you know, well, at that point in time, there was no there was no video podcast, for radio. There no, was no, there was video, no video, there was no video. No, like like no. now, Talk One Hundred Seven Three, they've got videos. Yeah, this is published this, in Facebook no, Live. No, there was no Facebook Live yeah. back then, and so I, I did my two and a half months, and and it was just so much fun. And I went in to see Gordy, and I said, "Gordy, thanks. This was just great." And he said, "Look, you did a really good job. 
I've got an hour on Saturday I need to fill. Can you create a show for me? Well, yeah, I guess. He's, I said, what do you want me to do? He said, no, no, you create a hey, show. You create the show. What do you want to talk about? Then do it. So I went back and, and we came up with the idea of talking about technology because that's something I happen to know a little bit about. And, and then we kicked around some names and the idea of tech gumbo. I mean, this is South Louisiana, it's gumbo, you know, and because it was, it was getting to November's gumbo, gumbo season kind of thing. And, and the, so it was like tech gumbo. So we created the name tech gumbo. And um, when we first started it, I was we had one of the the, the employees of the, of the station. He was running the board. He was doing the host kind of thing, keeping us on time. And I was just bringing content and we were talking through the content. And then as time went on, I got to saying, I got to asking more questions and learning because that's my, I, I want to learn more. I want to tinker. I want to get out the way. Let me do some of this stuff. Yeah. So they were like, well, here, this is the board. You need this, you need that and set this up here. And, and you know, Okay, and just click this over here. And, and then after about two or three times of them showing me how to do it, I'm like, okay, I got this. Goodbye. I don't need y'all anymore. And so my oldest son, Haggai the third, I'm Haggai Davis the second, um, which I'll tell you that story all in a little <laughs> bit, um, how I got the name. But so he's my co-host. And, you know, we've been talking his whole life, and he's a really, really smart kid. I mean, when you when you know your kid who's in fifth grade is smarter than you, you just your role in life is no, don't screw it up. Right. That's my kid. And so um, so he he's he's a co-host and we just talk about technology. We find stories on ZDNet and CNET and Computer World and PC Mag and Reuters technology pages and, and AP's page. And, you know, and so if there's a story on 5G and because we started talking about 5G cellular four years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. And we started talking about Windows 10 coming out in 2016. We started talking about that in 2014. On the second show we ever did, we were talking about Windows 10 because Microsoft had just started talking about it and nobody had had it yet. And um, and, and I was one of the beta testers when when Microsoft was releasing. They had a bunch of the Microsoft partners doing beta testing. So, I mean, every time a new Windows 10 beta was was being rolled out, my computer would get wiped and start over. And it didn't matter. It was, it was you know, just me. And so. We were constantly doing updates, but we've talked about like the current thing that that is really the big story right now is social media in the 1996 uh, Telecommunications Decency Act and specifically Section 230, which is what gives Facebook and Twitter and, and all the social other social media platforms. It gives them protection so that if you go and or if I go and post anything on, on their sites, they're not held liable for the things I say. Right. It, it distinguishes between the platforms and the users of said platforms. It's, well, and, The and content so, doesn't belong necessarily to Facebook. The content belongs to Haggai. Correct. Or the content belongs to Patty G. And, and as long as you're not, you know, threatening someone's life or some of the other things that have recently been coming up on some of the different platforms – they just pretty much kind of wiped their hands off and, and said, you know, we're going to stay away from it. Yeah, you post whatever you want. And, and 
things have just gotten out of hand as of late. And so now you've got the political right <clears throat> is furious with Section 230 and they want to change it because the, the political right thinks that it's um, it, it, it's stifling what they can say. You've got the political left wants to get rid of Section 230 or completely rewrite it because they think Facebook and Twitter and all the social media platforms should be doing more to control the content. And so both sides of the political aisle are furious with Section 230, but for different reasons. Right. And and so if they change something with 230, then Facebook, Twitter, all the Snapchats and all the rest of these social media platforms can and or will look very, very different if they are even still existing. Yeah, you're going to have... It's going to be the age of turnover. Yes. You're going you're to have these Facebook giants, these Instagram giants, Twitter giants, Instagram, you know, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok. And now you've got Clubhouse. You know, you've got all these different social media platforms that it's going to be a big shift. Yes. And it's going to say, who is the next platform well, it's that not, can survive scrutiny? Because if they sit there and say, no, we don't like the content you're posting, we're taking you off. Doesn't matter what side of political aisle you're coming from. If we don't like anything you're saying, yeah, we're wiping you off. And so, how many people are going to stick around then, and, and and keep on when you got two billion people on Facebook who are furious and they just pull off of Facebook? Well, then Facebook goes away. Yeah, it's the the second as a social platform, when you lose your users, you lose your business. Yes, because your business is derived. Ultimately, by ads. So one of the things we've we've said for a long time on, on Tech Gumbo, when you're on the Internet, if you're not paying for it, you're not the customer, you're the product. Yep. And, and people have a hard time understanding that. We just did a 22-minute um, a, a segment about the different information that Facebook collects on you. It's a lot. It's a There's whole lot. 83 categories of information that Facebook collects about you. In 41 of the 83 categories, the last thing it says is other data. <laughs> to grow the umbrella of all umbrellas. So, so the fact that Facebook knows more about you than you do, and Google knows more about you than Facebook does. And now Alexa is creeping up. The delusion of privacy ended with the beginning of Google. Yeah. Is, is another one of the things we've been saying. Because there is no more privacy. Your social security number is floating all over the internet. It's, Whether you like it or not. If no, you've ever posted, if you've ever applied for a credit card, <laughs> if you've ever had to give anyone anything, your social security number, it's out there. So that, that delusion of privacy does, does not exist. Yeah, it's just it's waiting for someone to take said privacy what and they, exploit it. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. How can they take it and how can they make a dollar? How can they make a buck by using it? I think I love that analogy that you said. If you don't pay for the social platform, you are the product, not the customer. Because they're not saying, hey, look, Ford, here's Haggai Davis. Yeah. You want to sell an ad to Haggai. What they're saying is, hey, look, here's a guy. He's in his mid-50s, and he, he's mostly conservative. He lives in Baton Rouge. He likes pickup trucks. You want an ad for a guy like that? Okay, great. We've got that guy. We can place an ad on his thing. Instead of spending money with the broadcast networks, 
where if I don't have my TV on, I don't see their ad. Right. Or a billboard. If you don't drive by the billboard, I never see it. And it's and I guess you could you could cross apply it to the social media platforms. If you're not on the platform, you don't see it. But as soon as you get on the platform, which nine times out of 10, in fact, 9.9 times out of 10, you're going to get on a social platform more so than you'll see a billboard in Addis. Absolutely. Like, it's just not going to happen. Because they're not going to, they're not going to put advertising for feminine hygiene products on my, my, my Facebook. No. There's, no. there's no way on earth they would ever do that because that's not what I'm interested in. I have no reason to ever. And, and so, but hey, this guy likes tools. Guess what shows up? Home Depot and Lowe's ads are always running on my computer. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've been they, in there. And they're, they're able to articulate the message in a way that's um, that's scary for a lot of people. Sure. I mean, when they when they look at like, oh, my gosh, I just had a thought and I was having a conversation with somebody on the phone. And then I did a Google search afterwards about this one particular product. And now I'm getting advertisements for competitors. It's like, how do they know this? Well, how do they know this? Whenever you said, I agree to said terms and conditions without reading them. Oh. One of the terms and conditions oh, was... So I will listen. Great story about terms and conditions. We did a story um, about a month ago on, we know you've never read the terms and conditions because the terms and conditions on Facebook's page is over 14,000 words. I have never read I've, I've not, the, I haven't read the, the terms and conditions on Snapchat is almost 13,000 words. Wow. And, and so all these different platforms, it would take you hours to read all of these I mean, it, just of the 17 uh top platform between google and facebook and all the rest of them it's like 37 hours of total reading time if you sat there and just read the average reader going through each one of the terms and conditions that you're on every single day candy crush the game candy crush sixteen thousand words wait wait more than facebook yes more than Facebook. Candy Crush, the video game, had more, more words in their terms and conditions than Facebook. I've never played Candy Crush, but I'm still I've shook. Never, I've never either. Yeah, but, I'm shocked by that. But the fact that you've had so – because there's so many in-game purchases that they've got to have T's and C's to cover themselves for. And the fact that, you know, yeah, you're playing this game, T's, you know, Candy Crush or – and. But then you went over to Google, so now add the, the, the double click and you know that ad, that advertising I get, thing. I get your browsing history for the next thirty minutes. I get your browsing history. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's when when you sit back and you actually start reading some of these terms and conditions, and I, you start looking through what they say they have the rights to and what you forego. It's yes. almost just, it's, it's mind blowing. It's amusing to me to see these people. I do not give Facebook permission to use these, my pictures or anything. You know, you're seeing people post things hey. like, like they believe that. It's, it's like, Psst, hey, you posted on Facebook. You, that means you <laughs> gave the right to them to do it. By the fact that you're on Facebook means you didn't read the terms and conditions because yeah. they, they're saying we get it all. You've already done that. You've given them permission. Yeah. And, and that, that creates a good segue for podcasting. Yes. So the Tech Gumbo is a podcast. Yes. It's also a radio show. Yes. So it's on both platforms. Yes. So whenever you're creating a podcast as an entrepreneur or as a business, because now businesses are finally starting to realize the value 
mm-hmm. of podcasts. Sure. The value, the content that is created within the shows between even if someone's just doing an audio because a bulk of the podcast don't have this setup. Right. This is this uh, is quite a, a setup. A bulk of the podcast do not have, you know, two 4K cameras, a live stream app, another app that we're live streaming on for the first time, and the fact that we can read in comments. They don't have it. But it still provides value because it's where the ears are. Well, and and look, I love this arrangement. This is quite an amazing setup. We're a little less tech you know, on tech gumbo than, than this concept. Well, when Flashbang Productions comes in, they bring in all this tech and oh, all this gear. I, mean, I and it's love fantastic. it. This is impressive. I mean, we use Microsoft Teams to record our show. Yeah, I was I was on I, your I show. I know you were. It was and, great. And so it's you know, my son is in he lives in New York City in Brooklyn. He's he's a student at NYU. He's getting a PhD in autonomous vehicles. That's that's out there. <laughs> that didn't even exist a few years ago, and he's getting a PhD in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's the, you have to a, argue a thesis on autonomous vehicles. When I told you the kid was smart, I wasn't just kidding. Um, I mean, I've, I've spoken with him. And I know. I know you it's, were. It's you, incredible. You were on our show, and so it was. It was a great segment, and we really enjoyed having you on. But we record on Teams, and then I take that MP4 and I create. Uh, I convert it to an MP3 for audio and I send the audio to the radio station. And then I take those segments that are in MP3 and I push that up to the podcast platforms. We don't do video. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, Which I don't see why not. It's, it's on teams. It's recorded. Hi guy. Um, I mean, why not take in, just post it to the Facebook page. Uh, it's, 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 it's additional we've content. It, we've kicked it around and we probably are going to have to start doing that this year. Well, I, I think with COVID it opened the door to accept Teams meeting video quality yes. to accept um, Zoom video quality videos. I mean, it's becoming accepting of a lower grade quality video. See, well, if we did it in the long term, if we did it, we would not use Zoom or Teams. Um, we would probably use StreamYard. E- either way, it's the, it's seeing somebody stream something and have those camera angles face to face. And not something like this. I mean, the video angle we have now is the two of us sitting sure. on chairs, as opposed to when you look at it from a stream yard, it's you have a box mm-hmm. that is you. And then you have another box that is the host. And then it, they, their box lights up when they're talking or their box gets brought to the front. And so you have this different element that people are now like, yeah, that's the norm. StreamYard is a little bit different. Um, that's what we do our, rot- our the rotary meetings because it, it we can push it to Facebook and to YouTube simultaneously. Right. And it allows for easy transition between different people coming on because we'll have one person do an invocation, another person doing the pledge, and another person doing a four-way test. And then the person introducing the speaker and then the speaker and if they have a PowerPoint or some kind of presentation. So it's an easier transition. It's a studio platform. Right. And, and it makes it a whole lot easier for our tech team at Rotary to, to be able to do that while I'm sitting there on screen talking. And it, Rotary is a lot of fun. If, and, and not to segue too very much into it, but I do enjoy the being, being in Rotary, especially yeah. the Rotary well, Club I mean, of Baton Rouge. Well, you're, the, you're the president. I am the of, president of the Baton this Rouge year. Chapter. So what, what is, what is what's Rotary Club? The Rotary Club is the world's largest service organization. Okay. There's... About a million, three million, four Rotarians around the world. We're on every, there's 35,000 Rotary clubs around the world. And Rotary has been the leading reason why 
polio has been eradicated from the planet except two countries. Wow. We've been vaccinating kids since the late 80s in Afghanistan and Pakistan are the only two places left on earth that have new cases of polio. And it's only because the mullahs over there won't let people come in and give vaccines wow. to these kids because they're, they don't believe in vaccines. <clears throat> and right. um, I mean, the entire African continent, the, you know, Asia, all of India is now polio free. There's no polio in the U.S. It's nowhere else in the world now because we have spent millions and mil hundreds of millions, billions of dollars probably around the world as Rotary giving vaccines to kids. And then we do a lot of other things here in the community. Each, ro each Rotary club around the world does things locally as well as the international. Our club is the fifth largest in the world. Wait, wait. The Baton Rouge Rotary Club is the fifth largest in the world? Yes. Wow. We have, um, pre-COVID, we had just over 500. We're just under 500 right now. But yes, the Rotary Club of Baton Rouge is the fifth largest in the world. That's incredible. And it's, it's, a, it's quite a, an honor to be in, in the Rotary Club of Baton Rouge. The, it's where the city leaders come to meet. The, okay. the mayor, Mayor President gives the state of the city address every year, dating back to the early 70s to the Rotary Club of Baton Rouge. The LSU football coach, the last public speaking event that the coach does before the fall camp starts in August is to the Rotary Club of Baton Rouge. And that dates back to Charlie McClendon in the 60s. Wow. And so, you know, we've had uh, we had a sitting justice of the Supreme Court. Anthony Scalia came and spoke to our club. We had my favorite speaker was Bob Ballard, the guy who found the Titanic. Wait, what? Bob Ballard, the, the, the guy who, yeah. who he discovered the Titanic, sent the, the bots down there. He spoke to our club. How do you pull somebody like that to Baton Rouge? Well, when you're the fifth largest in the world, you have some some cachet to throw around. You can tell people, look, when you're speaking to us, you're you know, it's a pretty prestigious organization. And you know, it, it's it's kind of what we what we are. We have people. We've had the, the the chairman of the Fed came and spoke to us, and it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, you get to meet a lot of really great people around the Baton Rouge area who are in the Rotary, and you get to get involved in different things that I would never have dreamed possible. That you know, here I am. You now the club president. I mean, I, it still amazes me. I'm always one of those. I've always wondered, you know, that Groucho Marx line, I would never want to join a club that would have me as a member. And now they've given me the gavel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how did I get here? Type yeah. Of thing. How did you people let me in? You know, and, you, you know, it's so but it's a lot of fun. And, and I have I've, July 1 to June 30th is the is the rotary calendar year. So I'm just over five months left of being the president. Very nice. And how, how, have, you, how have you liked that so far? I mean, it's been fun. It's, it's been challenging because normally we meet 45 times a year at Drusilla on Wednesday at lunch. We've had six meetings in person since July. Well, actually, since going back to April. Wow. So you've had to shift to a, to a virtual, a virtual meeting. Yes. And so it has allowed us to get newer speakers, different speakers. We had for Armistice Day on November 11th, we had a history, a, a professor, a professor from Yale who is currently in Paris 
spoke to our club, and then we were able to broadcast what he was saying in Drusilla, because we were still, that was our last in-person meeting. So all of the members at Drusilla got to see it while we were still simultaneously pushing the content out to Facebook and out to YouTube. Wow. It was quite an accomplishment to pull off. <laughs> um, I dare say very few, if any other Rotary clubs in the world could do what we did that day. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun in, in that regard. Um, but it's still not the same of being back in person. Yeah. I mean, being, being in person, I think the, the, the podcast, we went virtual for two to three months, I believe. I think we had six or eight episodes where it was virtual. And so we had to adapt and say, Hey, you know, the show has to continue because as a podcast or as an entrepreneur or a startup business, I mean, we're basically a startup, you know, we're just getting started. And so we couldn't just say, Hey, let's take a three or four month break. Because the content will cease, the reach will cease, and that means people will stop hearing about you and see, people will stop learning about you. So you have to figure out a way to adapt and go forth and just keep the show going on. So I'm glad to see that the Rotary Club has kind of instilled and said, hey guys, we meet 45 times a year. We may not meet the same way, right? but let's still try to achieve a certain level that we're still meeting consistently. And, and trying to keep members involved having them having every a different member do the pledge a different member do the invocation a different member doing the four-way test a different member introducing and so that we've got as many different people as we can yeah. on the screen so it's not me doing everything because that would I, that would be miserable for me right well as the as a president you have to learn to you know with any business delegate and say i don't need to be the front and center all the time i don't want to be and, and more times than not it's i don't want to be the front and center all the time i want the people who are a part of the club a part of the organization to be able to go in and just shine like they really are yes. i mean because each member is selected yes it's not just a you show up free and will nope it's you have to be selected you have to be recommended you have to be invited yes you to do be a, to be a part of the club and so once it's in there we want you to shine forth and say, hey, this is who Baton Rouge Rotary Club is. And it's not just anybody with a pulse can walk in and say, I want to be. You go through two levels of, of scrutiny before you're, you get the official invitation. And you have right. to have done something with your life. We want to see people who have been committed to, the, to our community, who've done things in the community. And because we're going to continue to do things for the community. So we don't want dead weight, for lack of a better term, coming in. And, you don't want somebody to say, I want to be a, I want to have it attached to my name. Right. This I, is not I want to come in and yes. say, I'm a member of the Rotary Club. Please don't come if you think this is just going to be a resume builder for you. That's yeah. not what we want. Yeah. If you're in and you're doing a lot with it, it will be great for your resume. I'm not denying that. But this is not the reason to join. Yeah, it's not the reason to join. Once you're here, great. Let's see what we can do to grow the community as a whole. But to get in, you have to show you've at least tried outside. You've had to have done things in the community. Yeah. Absolutely. Which, you know, I, I love the fact about you have to have done something in the community. Because mm -hmm. when I have the show is at the point where people are starting to reach out and say, hey, can we come on the show? Mm -hmm. Hey, can we come? When can we come on? Can we get in that? Can we get in the lineup? I'm like, you can, but. For me to ask someone to come on the show, it's I've already done the research. I've already put in the time. I know you meet what the show is about. But for you to ask me, I need to know what you're about. What are you doing in the community? I need to learn about you if I don't already know. Otherwise, it's, yeah, sure. If I know about you, great. I know what you're doing in the community. I know you're 
love Baton Rouge. I know you're dedicated to Baton Rouge. And I know you're an entrepreneur that has great stories to tell and lessons to give. So yeah, come on the show. So I love that you've kind of, how the Rotary Club has kind of just built that into their system and just, it keeps on going. Yes. You know, and so within that, we're starting to kind of wrap up the show and get towards the end because we do, we do have a certain cutoff point, right? Yeah. But you've done a lot of things. You've gone from a nine to five to an entrepreneurial journey, back to a nine to five, back to a hobbying on the radio. And now you're the president of the fifth largest Rotary Club in the world. So within that career, that life that you've led thus far, you probably gained some lessons. You probably learned a few along the way. Yeah. I mean, one one of the stories I wanted to get into, but we just got carried away, was about you being so involved in making that, was it the Blue Act? The Blue, the blue Laws. The Blue Law passed. Repealing the Blue Laws. Repealing the Blue Laws. You know, yep. so you've got so many lessons under your belt. What are three that you would kind of give to people that you've learned? The first one is find something you're passionate about. You've got to be passionate about what it is that you do. If, if I love technology, I've, I've always loved tinkering with things and, and, and learn and learning has been important. I've always been reading. So if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to help teach yourself because a lot of the times you're going to have to teach yourself a lot of this stuff. You can go to classes, you can go to seminars, but you're still going to have to learn on your own. Right. If you're not motivated to do that, then you're not going to advance or you're not going to succeed. Um, the next one I would say is find something you're capable of doing. If you don't have the ability to speak to people, don't be in sales. If you don't Truth. have the people to speak in front of, you know, get in front of an audience, don't try to be a public speaker. If you're great at crunching numbers and working through spreadsheet and spreadsheet, go be an accountant like yourself. We can speak to people too. You can, but <laughs> but I'm not a yeah. number cruncher. Right, right, I'm, right, right. You know, look, if, long, if I round up to $100 on plus or minus, <laughs> I'm comfortable, okay? So, yeah. you know, if I got to find the missing penny, I'm screwed. That's I not love, my world. I love finding that penny. Oh, I know. I and that's, that see, you're, that's what, but see, that's what you're good at. That's something you can do. I can't find a penny because I don't give a damn about it. And then you have to find something that if you don't think it's right, if you've got a better way of doing it, if something pisses you off because you think it needs to change, good. And that kind of goes back to passion, but you've got to find something that you can make better. Right. If you just want the nine to five, just punch the clock and do my work, get my paycheck and go on with life. Great. The world needs you. The world needs lots of people like that. But if you're somebody who wants to excel, if you want to set the bar and and fly over it, you're going to have to work your ass off. Nine to five doesn't exist. Even if you're, you know, don't own the company. Nine to five doesn't exist. I, my day starts, you know, early with emails and sometimes goes late doing things like this or going to social events. And every time I'm at a social event, I'm talking to people and people know what I do. Oh, Hey, you work on computer networks. Yeah. Can you come by and see me? I'd love to. Here's my card. Give me one of yours. Don't do a sale job there. You networking there. Yeah. You make your contacts. People. That's people went to LSU or to college to get educated. I went there to network. You know, I managed to cram gains an education while I was there. I, I managed to cram the four year program at LSU into six years. That's impressive. And um, you know, 
I had more fun at LSU than most people have in a lifetime. Right. But I learned how to work with people, <clears throat> mm-hmm. how to socialize and network, and, and, and it was invaluable. It, it goes back to that mentality. Everyone's in the service, the customer service business. Absolutely. Everyone. I don't care what profession you're in. It's customer service. It's sales. And Every, sales. Yeah. Everybody is in sales. If you're, if you're sitting at the drive-thru and you, you say, would you like fries with that? Welcome to sales. Yeah. If you're, you know, if you're an accountant and you talk to somebody and you say, hey, look, if you need some help, our firm would love to come work with you. That's sales. sales. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, I've, I've talked to architects. Oh, I could never do sales. Really? How you, did you ever get your first client? Yeah, you do sales. You know, you probably should do this arch a little differently. You, you should know, do this, this design a little different. That's sales. That's sales. You're selling them your idea over I, theirs. I, I, I've done a lot of public speaking, to, like to college kids and everything. And one of the cl- things I always say, how many of you have ever been in sales? And none of them said, all right, how many of you ever asked a girl on a date? And everybody's hands go, okay, you're in sales, sit down. You know, how many of you girls have, have ever, you know, asked a guy out? They all, a bunch of my hands go up because they have. Yeah. And like, okay, you're in sales, sit down. Asking somebody for something is sales. Whether Absolutely. you like it or not, that's what it is. And so that's, you've got to be passionate enough about your business, about the business that you're in to be willing to ask somebody to do business with you. 100%. Yeah. No, I, I love those. Those three things are becoming a common theme within the show, and I'm glad they are because it's 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 a issue. It's a reinforcement that needs to be heard every single day. And, and you know, so those are the things that I've done my whole life, my, especially my professional career of over 30 years of being in the greater Baton Rouge area is working with the community. People know me. They see me and whether it's been on volunteering, different things and getting involved. And hey, don't you do, you do technology, you do computers, right. you did cell phones, you do, you, can you come help me? Yeah, I'd love to. How about I call you tomorrow? Okay, great. And then you show up and then you find a solution. The, the thing that a lot of people have a problem with, if you go and you make a sales call and somebody doesn't have a problem, if there's nothing you can solve, you're not going to make a sale that day. Yeah. You've got to have somebody who has a problem with something and then go be the problem solver. Cause that's what sales is, is a problem solver. Absolutely. You have to solve a problem. If there's no everything, pro- if there's no problem, there's yeah. no sale. Exactly. They're happy with their, <laughs> they're, they're over. They're going to stay with what they are if they're happy. And you have to recognize that there is no sale and move on. Exactly. You have to be able to not have to sit there and hard sell them. Oh, no, you need this. You need this. If they sit there and say, no, I think we're good. No, I think we're good. No, I think we're good. They're probably good. And, and so most of the time when I've been called in or gone, it's because somebody had referred me. So I, most of my, my sales world has been about referrals. Right. Because I, I'm, I'm social that way. <laughs> I, I've networked <laughs> that way my whole career. Yeah. And, and so... That's what, you know, has been fun. And that's, that's how I got to do the radio show was because I knew Gordy because I networked with Gordy. And that's, you know, how the, now that we're doing the podcast and we've got sponsors because I've networked with them. And, and so, you know, yeah, that, that's what you got to do. You got to get out. You can't sit at home. You can't sit on the sofa or watch ESPN all day and think that that's going to do it for you. You've got to go get out and do it. You got to get out and build something for yourself. Yeah. So a few more questions for you. What is something that you enjoyed doing as a kid you wished you still could do today if no one stopped you? 
Um, probably, actually, I grew up down in Morgan City. Okay. So I was, uh, I was a mischievous kind of kid who, <laughs> who uh, did a lot of hunting and fishing kind of things. And, you know, I, Morgan City back in the 70s when I was a kid was Mayberry. You know, we got away with everything that you could possibly do. And probably being more mischievous would be something. If I, if, if I could get away with it, if I could do it and just go create, not trouble. I mean, I find, I find trouble as it is already. <laughs> trouble um, finds you more like it. Trouble finds me, however <laughs> you want to phrase it. But just, just to go do some things that are not, not illegal, certainly. No, never illegal, but just. just the Benji Show's the, thoughts are not those they're of in the, guys. They're in the gray area. You know, there's nothing, there's not, not a hard black and white. I mean, but if, but I don't, that's not who I am anymore. That's what yeah. I was as a kid. Right. I lived in the gray area back when I was a little kid. I think a lot of people live in the gray area as kids. You know, so, you know, yeah, you, the Rotary president of Baton Rouge was caught doing, you don't want that. <laughs> I can see the headline now. <laughs> oh, it Rotary would be, club president oh, of Baton Rouge says, it, I like the gray area. It would be really, really ugly. Um, yeah, we can clip that, right, Cody? We'll clip <laughs> just that line. Perfect. Okay. But yeah, I, I get it. You want to yeah, be more creative I, just, and get into different things. It would be fun to, 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 you know, go do some of the things that we used to do. We'd go, you know, knock on somebody's door or ring their doorbell and go running and you know kind of thing goofy stuff right that was just fun and funny it was innocent and and i mean not that i would want to go do that now but to be a lot more rambunctious or creative or just spontaneous sometimes that yeah. would be a lot that would be something i would like to be able to do i but like it when you when you're a parent when you got a you know a spouse and mortgages jobs and you can't oh, it, yeah. it's tough to be it's spontaneous terrible. when your life is scripted in right. your your outlook calendar that outlook calendar saves me more times than not oh if it's not on my calendar it doesn't happen basically yeah i'm at that point too um so two more questions for yes. you what is why do you love baton rouge so baton rouge is the world's largest small town that's a fact i grew up in in a small town, I grew up in Morgan City. You knew who was doing what with who in Morgan City when they were doing it. In Baton Rouge, you know who's doing what with who, but it just takes a week or two to find out. But everybody if finds that. out. If that. Yeah, if that. Sometimes it's a couple of days. But you're in, And so it's real easy to know a lot of people in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And when you can can you get to know as many different people as, as I have had the opportunity to meet in the greater Baton Rouge area, you get to see the different walks of life, the very diverse nature of what Baton Rouge is. And, and you have, you understand people's stories better when you know them. And, and I've had a great opportunity to really get to know a lot of people. And so it's been a lot of fun for me. I've raised two kids here. My wife and I have lived here, you know, since the day we got married. And it's home. I've, I've traveled to 40 of the 50 states. I've been through Europe and Central America. And I've never lived north of I-10. Wow. Because this is home. Yeah, and it has that, and that it home has home feel. feel to it, and and so why would I want to live anywhere else? Hundred percent, I agree with that. It's Baton Rouge being this, the little big town is becoming truer and truer every day. New Orleans is is the world's smallest big city. 
because there is some anonymity in New Orleans, but not much. Yeah. There's no anonymity in Baton Rouge. Yeah. There is. I mean, it's just this is just small town. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody, everybody and they know everything every, that's happening no, within your business. Absolutely. Yeah. So one more final question for yes. you. What can I do to help you? So what you can do as a young, young up and coming professional is stay involved, not get involved, because I know you are involved already. Stay here, raise your family here and 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 be a part of the solution to make Baton Rouge better. Um, I don't think my kids will live here. Number one, because autonomous vehicles are not coming to Baton Rouge. So the oldest one's gone. The youngest he'll get here one, eventually. Oh, he'll come visit a lot. Yeah. The youngest one's at, at Louisiana Tech getting a computer science degree and, and is looking at the Pacific Northwest. Can't wait to get there kind of thing. Because this is not a hotbed for what he wants to go do. Okay, go. But come visit. And, and I get that. They, you know, I, look, I left Morgan City, came to LSU and just never really left. They've, they're they're going to do their things. Do I want them to come back? Yes. Would I be thrilled if they came back and helped make Baton Rouge a better place, continue to bring Baton Rouge to life, to really get it going, to get over a lot of the stupid things that we've got causing strife and struggle, the the the, the racism that, that still is pervasive, the... The people who are struggling that don't need to be struggling needs to end the, the to have people create jobs and, and have people inspire and motivate people to get out and do something. Don't just sit around and wait for something to come to you. Go out and get it. And so if you continue what you're doing, go out and continue to get it. And drag everybody else along with you. <laughs> I'll do my best. Because that's a lot of what I've done throughout my career is drag other people along with me. Yeah. Drag people into Rotary. Drag people into this club or this organization. You know, every time I've create, been a part of creating some new organization, and I've had an opportunity to be a part of several of them, it's dragging other people in and, yeah. and then building it. And once it's uh, built and it's running, man, it's really cool. Look what a great job. Now y'all run it because I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm, I'm old, man. You need yeah, young guys. I, 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 I love that because everybody needs someone to sometimes pull them along and drag them along. So I will continue to do my very best with that and make sure that I'm promoting Baton Rouge in any way I can and just trying to bring people here. So, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And I thank you for coming on the show. That's a, that's a part of this, you know. So thank you, Haggai, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And we've got a good train horn coming in right at the end of the show. I love it. <laughs> On time. Oh, absolutely. Right on time. But thank you for coming on. And thank you all for listening or watching whatever platform you are absorbing this content on. I really appreciate it. I know the guests really do as well. And thank you to Alvarez, our sponsor of the show, Alvarez Construction. Guys, they build more than a home. They build a place for you to raise a family. They build a place for you to create dreams for your children to grow up and live out. So if you're looking for a home or you're looking for a community to live in, Alvarez Construction is the way to go. Thank you all so very much, and you all have a good one.